Hello, everybody. Welcome to today's episode. I'm so excited about this one. It's my first guest. And not only is it my first guest, it's one I have been so excited to share with you guys. Carlos Duran is an amazing human. He is a very special friend of mine. I consider him a teacher. I'm just so happy that he agreed to come on and share some of his incredible wisdom, his experiences, and some of his prayer with us. So I can't wait for you to hear the episode. I wanted to take a quick second to mention he does talk about a retreat that he holds for men in Colombia, South America called Savage Encounter. He'll get into it in the episode and explain what it is, but I did just want to take a second and say there are probably four or five men I know um, in my friend group that are going to be attending Savage Encounter in 2023. I think they're thinking for either August or October. So when you hear him discussing it, if it you feel the call in your heart to possibly attend, reach out to me and I will link you up with some of the amazing brothers I have that are planning to attend that retreat. I think it's incredible. And yeah, uh, let's just dive right in, guys. Enjoy. Today, I am so honored to be sitting across from someone very special to me, a dear friend, a teacher, and an all-around wise sage of a human being, the original spiritual gangster himself, my friend, Carlos Duran. Welcome, Carlos. Hola, Taylor. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. You know, you, as I told you, you're my very first guest (laughs) on Higher Way with Tay podcast. So it's a real honor. Thank you for being willing. This means a lot to me. Me too. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Carlos. So one of the many reasons I wanted to have you on is I have always felt that you have a real gift of storytelling and you have a gift with language. And I've been blessed to hear you share stories and share prayer that I feel at times almost feels channeled from the divine. So today it's the full moon in Gemini. And I feel like that's very auspicious because Gemini is the sign of the storyteller. And it's the great communicator. It's the sign of interesting stories and sharing. So I feel like that brings us a lot of good astrological juju today (laughs) for this conversation. But of course, I have to ask, because I am curious um, if you have ever had your natal chart read before and if you know much about your astrology. Uh, Yeah, I've I've had a few readings. Um, I'm I'm very selective Mm -hmm. about who I do readings with. And I've had the blessing and the good fortune of, at the right time, coming across some amazing astrologers who, who have done my readings. Um, to say the word no is so complicated because once I say I know, then I know. But if I don't know, then I have the chance to learn. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I have I have an A understanding. Of Do you my, know my like chart. your your sun and your moon and your rising? Oh yeah, sure, what for are sure. They? Sure. So my my sun is Pisces. Oh, of course. Okay. Yes. My my moon is in Aries. Okay. Okay. My rising sign is Gemini. Oh, I knew it. I absolutely knew it. That's amazing. Yeah. So the your chart ruler then would be the who rules Gemini? I'm not even 100% sure I know. The planet? Yeah. Mercury. Mercury. Ah, interesting. Well, also Mercury, you know, is the communication, is how we communicate. So and, that and, makes a lot and, of sense. And Kabbalistically, there's typically two planets mm-hmm. that rule a sign. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm not sure in which one is 
the other one, but Mercury is, is one for Gemini. Well, I love the I love that Gemini. I'm a triple air, so I'm a Libra sun, a Libra rising, and an Aquarius moon. Wow. So I love other air signs, but you know what's interesting is I am surrounded by and deeply love Aries moons. I have a lot of them in my life. And I think it's because the Aries polarity with my Libra um, is my guess. But, nice. but anyway, that makes sense. And then, of course, your Pisces sun. I completely can see that. So that's amazing. Do you know your north and south node? Uh, my north node is Libra. Uh-huh. And I forgot my south Aries. Node. It would be in Aries if your north is in Libra. Okay. Very interesting. Yeah. And I have five planets, including my moon, in Aries. Wow. That's amazing. Which I'm grateful for. Yeah. Because I don't know if I'd get anything done. For that. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot of fire in your chart, for sure. Yeah. I have five in Libra, so oh, wow. I have a lot, a lot of, of air. air. Yeah, definitely. That's amazing. So, okay, you know, Carlos, you and I, I know you because we are both students of the same teacher, um, although you're blessed to work with him much more closely and much more consistently than I do, but uh, Taita Juanito. So I'm curious if it was Taita who bestowed upon you the very noble title of spiritual gangster no no um that's not even a concept in our culture I, it's a kind of a joke <laughs> uh, no um that's just something that happened um one day somebody said oh he's a spiritual gangster and then somebody heard it and then um it, it got replicated through a little bit through, through like social media and uh, then that just it just kind of stuck. And the truth is, I liked it, mm -hmm. so I, I fully embraced it. Mm -hmm. I like it. Well, it's very fitting for someone with a Pisces Sun and five planets in Aries. I, there's nothing more spiritually gangster about that. So, <laughs> well, I'd love to get into a little bit, um, you know, about your upbringing. And and as I've talked to you before, a lot of this podcast is about the explorations of of faith. And I'd I'd love for you to share a bit about your early beginnings and the pro progression of your own spirituality. Mm -hmm. um, so if you would like to just kind of get started on how that all began, where you come from and. Yeah. My upbringing was a mix between devil's advocate, the movie mm -hmm. and, and um, Goodfellas, mm -hmm. something like that. Um, it was very curious how my parents even got together. Uh my my dad is um he was something else boy he was he was truly a force of nature um just misdirected you know uh, he was a very violent and an abusive man uh he was a, a professional criminal a, a white collar criminal with ties to the underworld um and and that echoed in our home uh, you know, whatever you can think of, you know, the, the violence, the, the beating, you know, everything that was aggressive came from my father. Now, the thing is, I also got a lot of great things from my dad, too. I learned a lot of great things from my dad, you know. And my mom, my mom is this gentle, I mean, she's Cuban, so, if you, you know, if she gets pissed off, you know, you got to hide, but gentlewoman who from an early age instilled in me the values of, of Yeshua ben Joseph, Jesus Christ. She instilled in me the values of prayer, faith, and God, and uh, the, 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 the power of forgiveness. And so it was very curious because on one side, 
I had this example of of rage, of 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 barbaric will. You know, getting getting things done by by any means necessary. You know, and and the ends would justify what whatever means you chose to to accomplish. And on the other side, I had this gentle, soft, God-loving influence. Um, and, and one of the one of the, the a, a key turning point in my life was one night. My dad beat the shit out of my mom really bad. This was really bad. Almost as bad as the times that he beat her that she'd have to go to the hospital, which was a couple of times a year. And he left. He left the house. You know, and when he would leave, he'd be gone two, three days at a time. I don't remember if it was more, but in my memory, it was up to three. And uh, I went into her room. I was about seven years old. This was close to the end of their marriage. So I was somewhere between seven or eight. And I told her, I'm going to kill him. And when he comes home, I'm going to kill him. And um, amazing, you know, in, in her battered state, swollen eyes, black and blue all over. She starts talking to me about hate. And how hate is, is a vine that grows in your heart. And if you let it grow, it will take over your heart and your heart becomes dark. And, and she told me, son, don't let hate grow in your heart, not even for your father. And um, I, just, I just couldn't believe it, right? I mean, that was my example of love. That was my example of forgiveness. That was my example of not allowing hate to, 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 to be the engine that, that, that drove me. Um, Did Where do you feel she got that from? Was she a woman of faith? I mean, how does somebody live in an environment like that and still be able to maintain that type of love in her heart? I mean... You know, that, that's a great question. I, you know, out, out of all the interviews I've ever done, no one's ever asked me that. And I don't know the answer. You know, my grandparents were not religious people, but my mom was. You know, she was somewhere between religious and, and a woman of faith. Um, and I remember as a child, she would read the Bible. We, we wouldn't go to church much. You know, we were, you know, holiday Catholics, right? You know, Easter, we'd go to church with my mom. Christmas, we'd go to church with my mom. Um, she would take us for Ash Wednesday. I remember getting the ash on my forehead. Uh, I remember going to confession. I remember getting my first communion. Um, I remember being an altar boy for a little while. So, so, but, but the, the source of it was her, you know, my, my grandmother didn't get up and go to church. Neither one of my grandmothers did. You know, so, you know, I, I don't know where she got it from, but I'm going to ask her. Mm -hmm. That's a great question. And, and that's what she instilled in me, you know, and, and she would talk from a little child. She would just teach me to pray. And, um, did you feel when you prayed as a child like that, did you feel connected to prayer or were you kind of go, yeah, really? Super connected, super connected to God. So what was your idea then at, you know, seven, eight, as you know, your mom's getting the shit beat out of her at home and she's teaching you prayer and reading to you the, the Bible. I mean, what, what was your, when you would pray as a kid that age, like, what would you 
imagine was on the other side of your prayer? Like, who do you imagine God to be at that age? I, I remember seeing God as a being at that age i thought he was like a, like a man you know mm -hmm. the, the not the white beard all-knowing but there was you know i, I had a, a, an image a lot of like christ and uh, light like like a being of light but because the 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 catholic faith faith um puts so much emphasis on the masculine aspects of the creator i identified with that mm -hmm. i remember that and if I'm hearing your question correctly, you know, I didn't blame God. Mm -hmm. I didn't, I don't remember thinking, where is God? I remember thinking everything happens for a reason. And whatever the reason is, it must be good because God's allowing it to happen. Mm. That, wow. that I do remember. And I, I distinctly remember crying one day saying, well, God, you know, if all this had to happen to me, just let it be for something good. Let it let it be for something that serves other people as well. That's pretty big for a seven or eight-year-old. I want to say I love how you mentioned that a lot of times I think in organized religion, we do sort of have this overemphasis on the masculine attributes of a god. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting because I don't think personally in my life I was ever really introduced or exposed to the feminine aspect of God and the divine mother for me until really I got into yoga and yoga spirituality, really. So that was much later in my life that I was able to find, you know, that there are, in my opinion, two energies of a loving God, a masculine and a feminine that come from the same source. Uh -huh. You know, it's curious because it's there, even in the Bible. Um, when, when in the Old Testament, <clears throat> When the Israelites would travel at night after after leaving uh, the kingdom of Pharaoh mm -hmm. in in the tabernacle that they that traveled at the head at night there would be a shining light that would come from the tabernacle and they would say this is the Shekinah glory and it's it's there when you read it in the Hebrew it's it's the female element of God. Mm -hmm. And in, and in Christianity, uh, especially when we, we look at the Trinity mm -hmm. or Christianity, we have, you know, or, or, or the sign of the cross or the Trinity, you know, it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Well, there it is. The Holy Spirit is the mother. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is, is the, the, the feminine element of, of the creator. Mm -hmm. So it's there. It's just not revealed it's not emphasized. It's not taught. Mm -hmm. You know, um, in my understanding, we have we have God the Father, we have God the Mother, mm -hmm. and then there's God the Great Mystery mm -hmm. that goes beyond everything we can conceptualize in this world. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. I know you mentioned briefly there about in Hebrew. And just because I know from conversations you and I have had, you have done some study with Kabbalah. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about how that came to play in your story. I personally have a lot of Jewish heritage and there's been something, well, I mean, so it's, it's in my DNA, you know, and there's something about Jewish mysticism and Kabbalah and even like Kabbalah astrology too, that I'd love to learn and study. And I just haven't yet, but 
can you tell me how, you know, that came into your life at what, what time and what it was like for you and what that process was? Yeah. First, let me say that the Kabbalistic astrology is amazing. Yeah, I heard it is. How's it you different? Know, I mean, um, the, 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 well, first they base it on a, a more natural calendar, mm -hmm. which incorporates 13 lunar cycles. Okay. As opposed to the Gregorian calendar that's based around 12 solar cycles. So we look at, at the sun as the father sun and the moon as the mother moon. Mm -hmm. So right there, there's a strong element of the feminine. There's mm -hmm. a strong element of, of, of the divine mother. And, and their study is, is the, the, the principle or one of the found, uh, fundamental teachings of Kabbalistic astrology is that the stars, the astros, aren't there to dictate our life. They're not there to, to you know, they're, they're, they are there to act as guides, right? The stars are a guide for our life path. And then it's, they're also there to provide a challenge, something that we can grow through, mm -hmm. something that we can overcome. Mm -hmm. You know, so you have elements in your chart that that work for you and then all oh, these elements work against you but in kabbalah they wouldn't say they work against you they would say they are there to challenge you mm -hmm. they're there to give you an opportunity to overcome and evolve mm -hmm. beyond that limitation beyond that point right there um how kabbalah came into my life i had in um at some point in time when, when i was in my late teens um uh, i followed in my father's footsteps i, I went to work in his organization and by the time I got into my early twenties, I, I was I was I was over it. I, I I didn't like it, didn't agree with it, and so I I walked away from all that. And that's a long story, a big transition. I shaved all the hair of my body. I covered all the mirrors in my home. I I I lived as a hermit for a while. How old were you at this time? Oh, I want to say about twenty-three mm -hmm. or so, maybe twenty-four. And um, I, I began, I, I, what I say is that the homing beacon that my mother had put in me, that God beacon went off mm -hmm. and it was calling me back. Mm -hmm. I love that God beacon. I, <laughs> I, I've never heard that. And I just know in my soul exactly what you're talking about. That's a beautiful way to put it. And it went off. So I started searching in the, in the ocean of my life what what was that that i was feeling now it's easy to describe it now but then in the moment you know i didn't think it was a god beacon i just felt something calling me away from what i was doing and and going towards something that i should be mm -hmm. right um and, and i knew it was related to god it was related to living a, a more harmonious life a more loving life but I was very far from that. There was a lot of rage, a lot of anger inside of me, a lot of sadness, depression, all, all those things that, that, that challenge you know, so many of us or all of us at one point or another in our life. And as I began to search, um, it was a girl um, that I was dating. She said to me, hey, uh, there's this place called the Kabbalah Center and they have a free workshop. Do you want to come? 
and yeah, you know, I was interested in the girl and I was interested <laughs> in, you know, why not? Why, why, why not go to a free workshop and, and see what they had to offer, mm -hmm. right? Hang out with a pretty girl. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, and do something that's different and, you know, that I thought could be cool. And, and so I went. And, and uh, from that workshop, I, I, I signed up uh, for the first class that they have. And uh, at that time, it was called the, the Power of Kabbalah, I believe. And from there began a journey uh, where, where I became enamored with the mysticism. Can you, for people who might not understand what Kabbalah is in reference to Judaism? Yeah. So m most organized religions have a, a spiritual side from which they were born. So some would say, for example, that there's the Muslim religion. And then the spiritual side of that would be Sufi mm -hmm. or Sufism. And so it's like that with, with Kabbalah. There's, there's the religion of Judaism, but then there's the spiritual study, which is, which is Kabbalah. So that, that's a simple way of saying it. It's, it's, the, it's the spiritual element, which is a whole other world. It's a whole other study. It's a different way of, of interpreting the religious uh, texts um, and practices and rituals. Um, so something that's religious, typically, especially to, to those that aren't in the inner circle is only explained so far mm -hmm. where in, in, in a spiritual circle like this, uh, things are explained typically, uh, and unless it's like a power grab or a power play, but typically it's explained very openly, mm -hmm. you know? And, but there's layers, you know, you know, you, you, you know, you don't, you don't give someone that's starting out the full meat, mm -hmm. but you give them the milk, but, but you have an understanding that, that as you grow, there's more to it. You know, you, that's also in the Bible, you know, you, to the babes, we give milk and, and to those that are grown, we give meat, mm -hmm. meaning the, the, the deeper study, mm -hmm. the deeper study and spiritual study is, is, is in my understanding, perpetual. It's, 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 there's always layers and layers and layers that, that take you deeper into that study so in summary kabbalah would be the the, the spiritual study of the jewish faith mm -hmm. so you go to what a couple classes and you're like checking it out and what's your take right away i mean was it one of those things where you felt that immediate draw or was it curiosity i mean i think i know that at one point you had a teacher Right. Yeah, Rab Rabbi Shimon Safati. Mm -hmm. um, my, you know, God, God bless him and his family always. Um, Rabbi Shimon took me under his wing. Um, I, I had expressed interest. You know, I mean, I, I just I, m by this age I was very cynical and skeptical. What age? In in my my twenties. Mm -hmm. What? Just curious. What? Because I'm thinking Saturn return and how that can have a big you know that's like usually well i don't know i grew up on the streets and i was ripped as a child well that so, probably has more effect so than I, I would, saturn return <laughs> I, I would say it was based on on, on, on my upbringing yeah. and my life that yeah. just made me cynical and skeptical and by that time i'd already seen um how religious leaders abused their position you know i saw how how uh look in my mom's case because she started going to church a lot to Christian churches after the divorce. And um, I just saw, mm -hmm. you know, I, I saw 
what what these what these leaders did you know as far as money went as far as women went and you know they were just running a different game right it was still a game right they were, they were running a con mm -hmm. and so i i approached it with and by the way you know i i think that that a healthy dose of 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 detachment when you come into a new spiritual setting is good mm -hmm. because because you don't want to approach everything with rose-colored glasses, you know, uh, spiritual leaders, unless they're walking on water, you know, if they're eating food and they're peeing and they're pooping in the bathroom, they're still human. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's important to understand that a spiritual leader can serve as a guide, as an instrument, as a tool, but our faith should be deposited only in the Creator. Mm -hmm. You know, and and really, the only human being that that we should follow all in is ourselves yes right mm -hmm. it's, it's us because at the end of the day when when it's all said and done we, we can only account for us mm -hmm. and so if i give up my responsibility if i give up my sovereignty i'm not being accountable for myself i'm i'm, I'm putting it on someone else mm -hmm. and that, that's just not the way that the universe looks at it right you know right it, you know at the end of the day the universe said well you may say that but you are responsible you mm -hmm. just chose not to be mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. Uh, whether you were naive or not, it doesn't matter. You just chose not to be responsible. Right. Um, so do you do you feel like that time in your life was influential in pulling you f away from that sort of underworld? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Do you credit that specifically? Or were there other things that... No, I credit myself. Mm -hmm. I did the work. Mm -hmm. I showed up. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Snoop Dogg says, I want to <laughs> thank myself for taking yes. no days off, <laughs> yeah. for showing up, for working harder than anybody mm -hmm. else, you know? Mm -hmm. So I thank myself for that. It was my choice. Mm -hmm. I made it happen mm -hmm. with the help of God. Mm -hmm. But I had to ask for that help. And then I had to take the actions. I had to fail. I had to get back up. I had to lose my way and choose to find it again. And that's for God's help. Mm -hmm. You know, and I want to emphasize that because we don't do it alone. But we have to be the ones that make the choices. We have we are the ones that execute. You know, God can give us the game plan and God can give us the opportunity. And God will give us the healing, mm -hmm. but we're the ones that have to put it into action. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I so, completely so, agree. so in the Kabbalah Center, I was there and, and um, I just took one class and another class and I, I loved what they taught. I loved how it felt for me. And, um, and, and that was, that was the beginning. And then, you know, through that, uh, I grew closer to, to, to the community there. Um, and, and Rabbi Shimon um saw he just saw something in me and he chose to invest his light and his love and his energy into my healing into my evolution into my well-being you know and with that i just want to mention one teacher that i had before before shimon and and uh he was truly a soul warrior was what they called him and he wasn't a man of faith but his approach to life was amazing. His name was Gary Halbert. Mm -hmm. And he was my marketing mentor. But he was also my get your shit together mentor. Mm -hmm. You know, he, I'm, I'm very big on, on making your bed in the morning. Me too, every day. I'm very big on keeping, keeping an organized and clean environment in my home, in my work, in my car. You know, it doesn't mean that things don't get, you know, you know, a day or two might go by and you're in motion, you're doing things and you might be on a road trip, 
but but you 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 create a mess, but you don't live in it. You you take a moment to clean everything up, reset, and go forward. Um, and really, Gary Halbert was the one that I would say. You know, as as you know, when when the guru touches your third eye, mm-hmm. I would say it was Gary that first touched my third eye, and really opened up my mind to what could be. Wow. You know, Gary was the one that taught me to invest in myself. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and and Gary was so a great example. And he wasn't just a marketing mastermind. Literally, in everything that is direct response advertising. Everything that is the infomercial, for all those of us that are old enough to remember the infomercials, information products, Gary literally wrote the book on marketing in those arenas. Uh, just to give you an idea, for again, those of us old enough to remember, there's something called the coat of arms, where you would go to the mall and you can get uh, your family crest, you know, or you could order it by mail. And if you've paid a little bit more, you get like a history on your family last name. Gary Halbert was the one that made that business. He made that business. He wow. created that business. Um, so Gary taught me the importance of investing in myself. And all that knowledge that Gary had, he would still pay thousands and thousands of dollars to go to a seminar. Or to buy a rare book. And I remember I just asked him, I said, Gary, you, you know all this. He goes, no. I know what I know, but I don't know what I don't know. And that's what I'm looking for. He goes, I think that's such a good sign of a good teacher is one that's continuously reading and learning and studying. Yeah. There's no just stopping point of, no. well, I've learned enough and now I just teach. I think that's a very important sign of a teacher. Gary... The word that he said, he goes, I'm looking for that one nugget of information that I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'll sit through five hours of a lecture, of a conference, of a seminar uh, to find that one nugget of information that I didn't know. And and that marked me. And that just, it, it, it taught me the value of never knowing everything. And it taught me the value of seeking other experts and it taught me the value of investing in myself first. Those are amazing tools to have and to learn, yeah. especially in your 20s. Yeah. So you're you're learning under Gary, you're working at the or studying at the Kabbalah Center. Uh, the, the, everything goes in stages. So as I am beginning to exit from my time with Gary, I begin my time of study at the Kabbalah Center. Mm-hmm. And then when that was coming to a close, there was another phase in my life that was opened up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was what? Well, that, that was interesting. Um, I, when when, when, when my, my cycle at the Kabbalah Center came to a close, um, I was still very disorganized. Um, I was having my, my, my first child had just been born. And... I needed to start providing for my family. And uh, I was going to become, I was studying to become uh, a teacher at the Kabbalah Center. But that's not, that's not what life had in store for me. From there, I began, and understand I was still a mess. I was still a mess. 
right? But there was so much of a mess to clean up that at least it wasn't where I had started. Yeah. You know, uh, but I, I want to say I was, I was still very cruel and very immature. Um, I made a mess of, 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 of the relationship that I had with my first son's mother. Um, and that's something that it's not that I regret it now because I've, I've healed from the regret, but you know, it's really one of those things that if, if I could go back and do it better, I would do it better, mm -hmm. you know, for her, for my son. It doesn't mean that we would have stayed together or not. It just means that, that I would have done it better for them, mm -hmm. you know, and for myself. Mm -hmm. um, I think as a parent, it's, that's one of those things that we can never really, I think all of us just by nature can look back and, and, and see where we could have done better for our families. You yeah, know? but I was a piece of shit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Sometimes we think that, and look, you weren't a piece of shit. You really did the best that you could. And it could be argued, well, you did the best that you could with what you knew. I know. Mm -hmm. It's true. But what I did was still not not great. Um, it was not great. I mean, I provided and we had a nice home and, you know, I, I worked my ass off and everything like that. But it was tough. We, we had financial struggles. and But the core issue was my immaturity, my, my inability to, to – and, and, you know, you know there's a lot that goes into that. You know, everything that happened in my childhood just didn't give me the tools that I needed at that time mm -hmm. to be a man of, of the home. That's a, very a, true. A man of my family and mm -hmm. things like that. But at that point, I had a beautiful friend. His name is Kiani. And he turned me on to a lot of esoteric studies. And so I began to study universal law. I began to study the teachings of Thot, uh, Hermes Trimagestai. I began to read a book called The Kabbalion, which talks about universal I law. I want to read that. Fantastic book. Highly recommend. Okay. It's called The Kabbalion. And it's, uh, it's put, it, the author is called The Three Initiates. It's, okay. it's a, it's, so we assume that the three initiates were three people that put it together, but we don't know. At least I haven't found information that indicates who these individuals were. Or if it was just one person, I, we don't know. But uh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But that's the book. It's called The Kabbalion, which is not related to Kabbalah. Right. You know, it's related to universal law. There, there's 10 governing universal laws that the Kabbalion talks about. And I began to study that. I began to study what the evolution. Uh, there's, there's, there's an amazing man called Zechariah Zichkin. And he translated something called the Sumerian Tablets. And so I began to read about that. And, um, and then that study uh, began to help me evolve. Um, I became very active. Um, in, and this is right around the time of 9-11. Mm. So I became very active in, in social speaking. Um, I, I became very active in, in sharing information I think just quickly going back to talking about your chart ruler as Mercury. I mean, I, as I'm hearing you say these things and use those words, I'm like, of course, this is what your natural gifts were. And these are the things that were coming from your essence, because that is also just astrologically the ruling force in your incarnation on this planet. It must be because it came from somewhere. Yeah. And it was very natural. Mm -hmm. And I, I began to, 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 to study and to share what I could with others, I had uh, we I, w I got involved in the music scene, underground music scene in Miami, 
and uh, in, in conscious hip hop. Um, and, and that was a whole journey in, in their open mic nights. And we had a whole crew and we, we, we were doing conscious parties and, and, and uh, we wanted to share conscious music with the world. Um, and, and, it, and really, when I look back on it, what I was doing was just absorbing experience and information, which I'm still doing it to this mm-hmm. day. And so that was the evolution after the Kabbalah Center. So how did you go from Kabbalah Center to conscious parties, which you're going to have to explain that to me another time. That's a very interesting concept um, to, you know, studying the esoteric stuff. And then how did that progress to your path with Taita and going to the jungle? Oh, that's that. so through Gary. I had met a very cool dude, uh, Chris, and Chris and I became very good buddies. Um, and I was doing, I was, a, a an independent copywriter and marketing consultant is that, that was my main income and serial entrepreneur had small businesses, this, that the internet was just being born. Uh, I was working to do something online, and one day while I'm sitting in Miami, uh, Chris had an amazing project out in Costa Rica, and Chris knew, I had another friend, his name is is Jeff, and he he operates uh, Qigong.com, and uh, his, his, his organization is called I believe Supreme Science, Supreme Science of Qigong, but it's Qigong.com, Q-I-G-O-N-G, Qigong.com, right? And um, Jeff had an amazing model. Jeff, even though he was very learned in Qigong, he would bring experts in and he would hold like weekend retreats or weekend workshops and he would speak and he would work but the, the featured teacher was whatever expert he brought in. And I thought that was a fantastic model. And so I wanted to do that in Costa Rica. I wanted to create a center in Costa Rica that I could bring in other, other experts uh, in healing modalities, alternative health, and have them you know, host whatever. And so Chris made me an offer. He said, listen, we, we, help me build this business and I'll help you build that center in Costa Rica. Now, that center never happened uh, then, you know, but I moved from Miami to Costa Rica. And uh, my son and his mother were supposed to move with me, but she decided not to come. And I think that was a great choice on her part. Um, And so I moved to Costa Rica and I started working on this project. I was still very worldly. You know, my, my actions were... You know, I mean, I would still sleep with prostitutes. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't an issue for me. You know, I had no conflict with that um, because I was learning how to resolve all these things within myself. And so I moved to Costa Rica and there I met a woman that I married, my, my ex-wife, honestly, one of my ex-wives. Um, I've been legally married twice. And um, when, when the project with, with Chris ended, I, I got into um, a very difficult situation. And from there, we, we moved. Um, I, I, I went back. 
to the Dominican Republic to reconcile with my dad. And we lived over there for a while. And then I got into organic farming. I go back to Costa Rica. And that was a big shift as well because when, when, when you start touching the soil, it really starts to talk to you. Mm -hmm. It really starts to speak to you. And there's an amazing series of books that I had not read at that time. It's called The Ringing Cedars of Russia. And mm -hmm. I say these things because in the hope that people will be inspired to, to go out and read these things and nourish their mind, their body, and their soul with them. And, and in, this, in these books, she does a great job of explaining what was happening to me at that time. By the working with the earth. Working the, with the mm -hmm. earth. And through that process of working with the earth and farming and getting involved with organic farmers, and that's also a very long story, a one day, and you see, you never do it alone. Look, just listen to how many friends I've mentioned already that God put along the way. My buddy Tristan, uh, who had the stall next to me in the farmer's market, and this is a French guy living in Costa Rica doing organic farming. Uh, he invites me to a peyote ceremony with the huicholes from Mexico. And long story short, a month later, he invites me to an ayahuasca ceremony. And uh, he said it was a shaman from Colombia. And uh, I said, oh, no, dude, we, we can't go. Shamans are snake oil salesmen, bro. They're going to they're gonna, they're gonna put some juju on us. You know, they're going to make us mind slaves. They're going to steal our money. And he's like, no, man, this guy has like a really good reputation. He's really well recommended. So I remember that it was a two-night event up in the mountains. We, we literally had to walk about 45 minutes up this mountainside that the steps were literally the, the, the length of cinder, cinder blocks. And the drop-off to the right was 40, 50 feet and more as you scaled up. You know, and you, but you could hug to the left. The left was the, 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 the little mountainside that we were climbing. And uh, I had my, my first ceremony with Taita Juanito that night. Um, what did you think when you met him? Were you still unsure if he might be a snake oil salesman? Or did you feel after, or did it take a few times of being around him? I mean, I just, I've shared on the podcast before that I felt when I met him instantly, I felt peaceful and that he was trustworthy and I was safe in his presence. No, I was a skeptical motherfucker. Mm -hmm. You know, I saw this guy that was about, um, considerably younger than me and mm -hmm. uh, he's, he's he's about six years younger than me and and even and then he looked even younger you know i was in my 30s he was in his 20s it's been 11 years now mm -hmm. going on 12 it might be 13 but i i lost track so i, I go with a smaller number just to not <laughs> in, inflate things to stay humble <laughs> yeah something like that do my best to stay in that lane and um yeah so i was like all right whatever you know let's let's see what this is about and uh, uh, and I went with my wife at the time. She she went up with me. And the first ceremony. It's a long story, but I, I had a great time. Um, I I got everything that I had asked for, you know. And I always say that 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 ayahuasca was was or yahe, depending on, on ayahuasca being the general term, yahe being the very specific type of ayahuasca that we use in our culture, was recruiting me. Because I've never had an experience like that again. But I've never been able to walk away from her. Mm -hmm. And so that night was very good. So. I believe. That my wife left. I believe she was just there for one night. I, I don't recall specifically. 
But I remember that I did want to stay for the second night. So I went to where I had my money hidden and I pulled it out. And the person that was organizing, I paid her and I said, Look, I'm going to stay tonight as well. And then um, that night was pretty amazing. Um, I, I woke up at some point in ceremony and I was studying uh, Eastern mysticism at the time. And one of the things that I was reading about at that time was that there are masters that can multiply themselves. And if, if you can find the, the, the feet of the master, you become illuminated. Something like this. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm not an Eastern philosophy expert, but that's what I remember thinking in the moment. And uh, when I wake up in the middle of the ceremony, there was about 20-some participants. And I didn't understand the tools of our culture at that time. But we use something called a waida, which is basically this fan of dry leaves. And so when I wake up, I see a version of Taita Juanito over each person. And some of them, he has this, these dry leaves and he's shaking them. And another one, what I thought at the time, he was using some kind of tongue of angels. Later on, I just come to find out that's just his language, the Ingano Siona language. It wasn't some mystical language. It was just prayers in his native tongue. Mm-hmm. Prayers to God, to creation, to the Divine Mother, to the Holy Spirit, to nature. And in, over, over other people, this one I knew was a harmonica. That was easy. I could see that he was playing. And I could hear it. I could hear everything happening and see it happening simultaneously. And we're in this huge, think of a, a huge hut, you know, t- talking about maybe over 100 feet in diameter. I mean, you, you couldn't see one wall to the other with a big fire pit in the middle. And I begin to crawl on this dirt floor going to each individual trying to touch the feet of the master because I wanted to become illuminated. Long story short, I go through everyone. I don't see them. I can't find them anywhere. I, I touch everything, but I'm just touching dirt, but still seeing, still hearing. And I remember that there was a hammock that he had somewhere at the back of this maloka, of this hut. Maloka for us is our, it's like the yoga shala, right? It's, it's, our, it's our place of anywhere that you're holding a ceremony in our culture becomes a maloka, spiritually becomes the, the house of, 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 of where we connect to the creator. And long story short, there he is in this hammock, laying down with this small smile on his face, his eyes closed, gripping his harmonica over his heart. And I turn around and I rub my eyes and I rub my ears. And and there he is again, all 20 versions of him doing his thing. And I remember thinking, this guy, this guy has got something for me. You know, he's the cat's meow. So I I decided that I was going to keep studying with him. And, and, but that's not, that. that's, you know, we could say that that's the day that I fell in love with him, but that's not really the day that I married myself to the culture. That happens later on in a whole different encounter that wasn't related to ceremony. Um, I'm curious if I can ask yeah. you, you know, especially coming from the background you had in organic farming and having that connection that you did to the earth and the soil. I know for me with the Yahe, um, my connection with nature really, I dare I say, even began when I um, experienced drinking ayahuasca. And, you know, we have talked about how the Yahe is like a concentrated drop of nature. And with that, for me, blossomed this connection and love and reverence for the planet and for the earth. I'm curious because you had that background in farming, if that was immediately 
something that came up for you or did you did you feel that at all um not that i can remember in those words no do you no. feel that way now yeah mm-hmm. yeah for sure mm-hmm. now it's it's very present um do you feel that it comes from the yehe connection to nature yeah or your your no. personal connection no your... no our, our connection to nature is is hardwired into us mm. see the, the the same elements that create nature right dirt water sun air are the same elements that create us mm-hmm. in our culture we call it uh to put it in modern terms in our culture we say it's the particle of the creator and so the particle of the creator that's in the birds, that's in the trees, in the oceans, in the stars, in the sky is in me. So nature and I are one. Mm-hmm. You and I are one. Mm-hmm. It's the illusion of separation. What Yahe does is it awakens that. Or if it's already awakened, it awakens it more. Like we were saying before, it's perpetual. Mm-hmm. So you grow more in that connection. The, the illusion becomes less. The illusion of separation. And the reality of connectedness, of oneness, becomes more vibrant in your life through through the Yahe, mm-hmm. with nature. Mm-hmm. And then you begin to understand that you were never alone, that you will never be alone. That nature's always there with you, waiting for you to reach out to her, to speak to her, to put your feet in the dirt, to hug a tree, to speak to the birds, to make spiritual payments to nature, to remember our ancestors and how they lived in one with nature. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love for me, the concept that, like you said, that w- we are the same as nature and what we come from, our essence is the same as what nature come, what nature is and that there is no separation there. I think for me, when I think about my own path with this medicine, the study of myself, the study of my relationship with my creator and then living on this planet in on Mother Earth, those three to me, that's like, I would say pillars, right? And and we talked about, like, that was something I wanted to talk to you about today is the concept of having pillars of faith in any spiritual path. But I'd love for you to share about what yours are coming from your culture mm-hmm. and how they, how they work, how they work for you on your spiritual walk. Yeah. So in, in our culture, we have what we call pillars and what we call allies. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, so pillars are, are the tools that you use. So, for example, Yahe is a pillar. Uh, and, and in our culture, we, we use many pillars. It depends on, on what's in your heart. So, I'll just give examples of what pillars can be. Prayer is a pillar. Your daily routine is a pillar. Breath work can be a pillar. Yoga can be a pillar. Other plant medicines are pillars. So, so, so pillars help us when when we are challenged they they are what we can grab onto they're they're what holds us firm in our walk in our evolution what are and your then, like strongest pillars yeah hey mm. yeah hey is my strongest pillar mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. for sure and then we have allies you know and allies would be uh, there's different terms for example people call them angels or guardian angels or ascended masters or beings of light Nature is an ally, especially in our culture. We use a lot of other plants besides the yahe. And so we develop, what's important here is whether it's a pillar or an ally, is to develop an intimate personal relationship 
where where you communicate with these pillars. You you it's, it's not enough to know it. You have to do it. You have to use it. And so as you develop these relationship with your pillars and with your allies, they they become guardians of your path. Right? They they stand around you and they stand with you and they stand behind you and and before you. And they protect you and they guide you and they support you in healing. You know, plants are huge allies. You know, we, we can use plants for so many things. You know, it just just the way that we can use a tea to settle the stomach or to uh, clean or heal a headache. You know, we can use plants to bathe our bodies to, to what we call as plant technology. And we can tap into this technology and use these plants in our lives to, to remove stagnation, to remove fogginess, to induce sweetness, mm-hmm. okay? And then there's the, the greatest thing of all, which is one of the greatest lessons that I've learned from Taita Juanito, is that the greatest prayer that we can offer life, the greatest prayer that we can offer the Creator is how do I live my daily life, right? And that daily routine is also a pillar. You know, what does my day-to-day look like? What's it made of? My choices and my actions day-to-day. And that's a prayer that we offer to the universe. So developing a relationship with these tools helps us because we're not here to do it alone. It's a a co-creative experience. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so having pillars and allies and developing a relationship with, with these to me, regardless of the spiritual path that you're on, is very, very, very important. Mm-hmm. Because no, no matter what spiritual path you're on, you are going to have trials and tribulations. You know, shit still happens. Rivers of shit come to your door, right, all, Carlos? All the time. <laughs> I all learned that time. from you. <laughs> you know, the, the question is, how am I going to experience it? Right? Am I going to allow myself to be drowned by this shit mm-hmm. and become a drowning victim? Or am I going to take this shit with a new perspective, understand its karmic significance, use it to empower myself, and all of a sudden that shit becomes fertilizer that's giving nutrition to the tree of life that, that is I, my mm-hmm. essence, my being. It's beautiful. I... I love how you talk about, you know, not just the yahe, but the the plant allies that we have that can support us. And I know that the Amazon in itself is such a beautiful and vibrant place that obviously not just the home to ayahuasca, but to the home to many medicinal and healing plants. And speaking of Taita, that he comes from a lineage of guardians of these plants. And I'd, I'd like to hear you touch on what is going on in the Amazon in terms of protection of these sacred plants, not just necessarily ayahuasca, but the land and then the, the lineage of, of people and the cultures that have been there, guardians of the jungle for so long. Can you touch on what's happening with the deforestation and with... <clears throat> Listen, that's a very interesting question because um that that answer can be layered and i and i want to find the happy medium because what's happening in the amazon is a mirror 
or an echo of what's happening in society at large. I love the way that Kabbalah explains it. So let's use some of that. It's a game. There's a game taking place between, let's call it, two sides, right? There's a side, and neither is good nor bad. These are just, it's a game. Because if you're on the other side of the game, right, you're the opponent or you're the bad guy to the good guy. But the good guy is the other guy, and you are the good guy, and the other guy is the bad guy, right? Mm -hmm. It's just a game. Mm -hmm. It's just a game. Mm -hmm. But in this game, part of what's happening is there's an attack on the essence of humanity. The, the opponent in this game wants to distract mankind from its connection to nature, from its connection to the creator. And we see that because things could be done in a different way that promotes life at large. But at large, what's being promoted is death, mm-hmm. destruction. Uh, the, the, the I am without God, mm-hmm. as opposed to the I am with God, mm-hmm. right? And God is just a name. It's just the creator, the divine mother, the sacred father. Um, and so the Amazon is a key physical location for humanity Uh, on one level it is the lungs of the earth we need oxygen in order to have oxygen we need trees now what happens is if if you want to make humans dumb you you fill them up with chemicals Mm -hmm. and you fill the environment with chemicals and you reduce the purity of oxygen Mm You know, scientifically, we know that when we breathe pure oxygen, we become more animated. Mm -hmm. The brain functions at a higher capacity. We think with more clarity. So in the Amazon, there is part of it is to rob the world at large of good oxygen. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then there's another part where... As we've seen throughout history, throughout history, there have been organized wars that destroy, steal, and hide from humanity the spiritual truths and tools that have been left here for us by the Creator, by our ancestors. Okay. So when they begin to mine gold and jade and oil, and most people don't know, but rubber comes from trees. It's the rubber tree. And they begin to mine rubber um, or extract it. And they begin to deforest for wood. To do this, they have to displace the native tribes that are living there. Mm-hmm. And just like in many other areas of the world, these native tribes are wisdom keepers of tools and, 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 and recipes mm-hmm. that we can use to heal our bodies, right? But if you, if you deprive humanity of the natural formulas to overcome disease, 
you make them dependent on pharmaceutical products which suppress the cause, address only symptoms, and produce secondary effects. So you basically have lifetime customers. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you steal the oxygen, you destroy the native libraries, they call them. The libraries will, are the actual tribes because it's not a physical building. This is, these are teachings that are passed down from generation to generation. But if you displace everyone, if you separate them, if there's no longer a community, there's not a clear way to continue the sharing of these messages. So th- that's what's happening in the Amazon, that modern industry has been depleting and displacing the sources of the Amazon in order to further the agenda of the other side on the game, in mm-hmm. the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's, that's one way of describing. And so, so you have many tribes in, in, in all of the Amazon, from, from Kuntanawa Nation in, in Brazil, that are fighting the fight to, to prevent the building of massive roads. I mean, I'm talking about roads that connect countries. Right? They want to build inter-country highways through the Amazon. Right? They, they want to, 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 to steal the gold that's in the land, the jade, the minerals, the earth. You, know, you have tribes in Colombia that have been displaced. And the governments care very little for these people. You know, it's, it's part of business. And so the inheritance of humanity mm-hmm. that is found in the Amazon is being sold for a dollar by people that have no right over it. Mm-hmm. So just like there are, you see, it's an alarming situation on the physical level. And again, everything is perfect. Right? There's an evolution, and we're making choices as humanity. We can choose to return to a way of living that is harmonious with one another, that is harmonious with nature. We can align our mind, body, and soul with the Creator, and we can find ways to live with respect for life. You know, but what's happened in the Amazon is part of the game. It's part of the, the stealing of those resources. And the alarming thing is that there's many things happening in the world right now that require humans to stand up and say enough. Mm-hmm. Enough of this madness. Enough of the control. And so the Amazon needs support. You know, we, we have to care. Mm-hmm. Because it's just like everything else in life. It's, it's, a, it's the rule of life and we all know it. If you have something that's good in your life, and you don't take care of it, you're going to lose it. And then when you lose it, you realize how important that was. Mm-hmm. So we, we need to wake up mm-hmm. to the Amazon. You know? And how, how do we start? You, you start with yourself. Mm-hmm. Working on yourself. Mm-hmm. What can I do to be more loving? What can I do to be more grateful, more compassionate? What can I do to be more present in this moment? Moment, And then you find the tools, whether it's yahe or breathwork or qigong or tai chi or yoga or, 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 or religion that, that, that really helps you wake up. You know, there are so many tools, so many plant medicines, so many spiritual paths, so many avenues that God has left for us. 
to awaken, to draw closer to our Creator, to draw closer to ourselves, to our family, to life itself, the essence of life, the passion of life. We start there, you know, and and if you and then you find where where is my calling? Where am I to be in service? You know, um, if you're called to support the Amazon, if you're listening to this and you say, well, you know, I, I want to do something for the Amazon, uh, there there's an amazing nonprofit that 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 I helped that I founded. Um, I, I, it's, it's now in the hands of, of other people. They're, they're the administrators of it. Uh, I'm still close to, to the operation, but it was something that I wanted to start. And then I needed to let go of it because I, I can't be there day to day. It's called magic fund movement for Amazonian growth and indigenous cultures. And the website is magicfundamazon.org. magicfundamazon.org. They're on Instagram as well. And they're on Instagram mm -hmm. as well. And if you wanted to contact them and make a donation um, or you wanted to contact them and, and volunteer in one of their projects, that's a direct action that you could take through that organization. Um, another thing is you can contact Kuntanawa Nation. Um, they have a, amazing programs as well. And they could tell you how you can best support them, you know. So the idea is pick one and go do it. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Pick exactly. one and go do it. And I think, you know, ultimately humanity and nature living in alignment with each other is what we're intended to do. I'm curious, you know, nature versus humanity. Doesn't exist. Well, if like, okay, so I, let me rephrase that question. In the extreme events of what we are doing to the planet human who wins humanity or mother nature always uh -huh. prevails so you know the, the other thing is you know the amazon is very far away you know and we can start locally right mm -hmm. we, we should always take care of our house first before we go take care of one that's why i said you start with yourself you know an, another way of taking care of the amazon is by by organizing a trash pickup in your neighborhood. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a local park that needs to be cleaned up. Maybe there's a way to organize in your area the planting of more trees mm -hmm. or edible or edible plants. Mm -hmm. You know, or you can clean up the beach. You can clean up your neighborhood. You know, right. you can live in the city. You know, and, and the question is, well, but but why do we allow our cities to be so dirty? You know, we're always waiting for someone else to come be the hero, to be the savior. And that doesn't exist. We are the hero. We are the savior that we're waiting for. We have to take action. You know, that's why even a teacher like Yeshua Ben Joseph left us tools to become. You know, even Jesus said, you will do these works and greater than the works that I have done. He said it himself. You're going to do greater works. But to do work requires action. You know, so we can we can do things in our local community, starting with our own yard, our own street, mm -hmm. to clean up, to to remove pollution, mm -hmm. to see what can I do to re to reduce my my consumption of natural resources, mm -hmm. or use them in a way that's more balanced. Right. So so there, there, the 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 way to support is through the choices that I make and the actions that I put in play. Mm -hmm. Now, at the beginning of this, we said that nature and I are one. Mm -hmm. So if one loses, 
mm-hmm. we lose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If one wins, we win. Mm-hmm. You know, there there is no separation. Mm-hmm. You know, nature is here to support humanity, and humanity is here to support nature. Mm-hmm. There, 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 there is no one winner and one loser in that scenario. Mm-hmm. We we must win together with nature. Right. I agree. It's beautiful. Speaking of greater works, as you were saying, and in keeping with your specific Gemini rising, which I still like, I just so perfect. Tell me where you are led today and what your offering to humanity is in terms of your own path. Well, first I'm led to, to work on myself that, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't stop. I don't know if it ever stops, but it certainly hasn't stopped for me. And I'm led to be from, from that point, from the point of working on myself, that which I am able to do in service and support of others. Mm -hmm. Um, these days I feel, which wasn't always the case. I feel very called, uh, to support men Mm -hmm. and my dear path brother, from Colombia, uh, also a native son, uh, an indigenous man uh, from Colombia. His name is John Freddy. We created a men's retreat um, that we have in Colombia. We take 15 guys out into the jungle at a time, and we have a life-transforming experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, more information on that is at savageencounter.com. So that's savageencounter.com, and that's for men. In general... Uh, I've also started a uh, like a newsletter of sorts where I just share information once or twice a month. And you can get on that at carlosduranlive.com. And I'll make sure I add all those links to the show notes too so people can find them. Great. Thank you. Yep. Um, and besides my work with men, uh, humanity at large, men and women, however I can support a fellow person, in, in healing themselves, in healing their, their, their ancestral traumas, in drawing closer to God, to nature. I'm all about that. You know, that, that's what I get down with. Um, and if, you know, if, if you're, if, if, if you feel called, you know, go, I, I want to go to a, an ayahuasca retreat. Uh, but you know, I want to go with my wife or, you know, I'm a woman listening to this and, you know, Obviously, you know, I can't go to Savage Encounter. You can come to Finca Ambiwasi. And, and you'll put the link to Finca mm-hmm. Ambiwasi in the site. And that's a, a retreat center that is, that is led by my teacher, our teacher, Taita Juanito. And he has left that as, as patrimony to humanity. And so we have, uh, right now we have four retreats there a year, which is also a great place to go. And then, you know, if you're thinking, well, you know, I don't want to go into the jungle or an 11-day retreat is too much, you know, or maybe this is my first time and I want to go somewhere where there's more comfort. Um, there's this amazing place in Costa Rica called Rhythmia. It's Rhythmia Life Advancement Center. And Taita Juanito is there twice a month now. Um, and so you can visit Rhythmia.com and, and get more information if you wanted to go to a retreat there. Um, and if you want to stay in touch with me, if you want to check out what I'm doing, what I'm saying, um, on all social media, it's Carlos Duran Live. Whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, it's Carlos Duran Live. Perfect. And I'll add all that to the show notes, too. Thank you. So 
before we wrap up, you know, since you are my first interview, um, one of the things I want to do is like a couple rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because it's definitely Taylor style. Okay. So in other podcasts I've listened to, sometimes it's like, tell me a good book you've recently read or like, you know, what's your favorite band right now? But I have two. And the first is what happens when we die? The body rots Mm -hmm. and returns to the earth. And the soul moves on to, to, to its next to its next moment, you know. Um, the, the soul evolves and we, we go somewhere. It could be other planets, it could be other worlds, we go into celestial realms, and then at the right time we reincarnate back into this planet. Um, and they say that when we're done with this planet, then we then incarnate into another job. We choose where we want to go. Where do we want to work? How do we want to support life in this multiverse that's always growing, always expanding? It's beautiful. I love that. And I think I agree in a lot of ways. Um, Second question. Do you believe in aliens? No, I do not. Uh, I think aliens is is a um, an ignorant term, you know. there's no such thing as an alien they're intergalactic beings there are extraterrestrials you know they come from another terrestrial plane Mm -hmm. there's interdimensional beings so there are beings that exist in other spaces in other times in other planets in other locations of the multiverse but the word alien is very uh, derogatory I I can see that yeah what's the PC term for alien then you know I think the easiest term is extraterrestrial. Yeah. Right? Uh, another one is interplanetary. Mm-hmm. It's an interplanetary being, mm-hmm. you know, or intergalactic being because they come from another part mm-hmm. in the galaxy or from another planet. Mm-hmm. Something like that. Okay. Got it. Well, Carlos, I could talk to you for hours and hours. You have so much information and so much beautiful expression that it's captivating and I'm enthralled just listening to you. And any chance I get, I'm grateful. But I especially am today for this setting and for my listeners and just time I have to sit across from you and learn from you and listen to you speak. So from my heart, so much gratitude. Thank you for being here and and doing this with me today. Taylor, it's my pleasure. It really is. Thank you for the opportunity to share, to to create another platform to bring a voice into the world that could possibly support. And to you listening to this, I want you to know that you have never been alone and you will never be alone. You are truly unique in all of the multiverse. There is no other creature. There's no other being like you. You have a unique purpose and a unique mission in this world if you choose to accept it. You are worthy of love. You are important. Those aren't just words, it's a fact. In everything that was created, the creator took time to create you. That's how important you are. If you remove one grain of sand from the beach, it's not the same beach anymore. And we're all important. We're all unique, and you are special. May the Great Father always bless you. May the Divine Mother always guide you. May you always know the love of your Creator flowing to you and through you. I see you. 
I recognize the divinity in you and the divinity in me as one divinity. May you always be blessed. May everything in your life always bring you to your greatest evolution. I love you and I thank you and I bow at your feet for taking the time to give me this opportunity. Aho. Aho. Thank you, Carlos. My pleasure.